Thank you once again for the opportunity you have given us to gather together in your presence and to fellowship as your children. We appreciate the fact that even in this country, there are so many that are not able to gather, though they desire to do so. We thank you, Father, for how far you have led us from the beginning of this Sunday service up till now. I commit myself, O oh Lord, into your hands. On my own, I can do nothing. I pray, Lord, that you use me as an instrument to speak to all of us, that as many as are not yet caught the fire of revival, they will do so before the end of this service in Jesus' name. We also pray for as many as have keyed in that they will be revived even the more. We pray that not only will you revive us, but you will also use us as agents of revival wherever you place us. Thank you, Abba Father. We trust that burdens will be lifted up, O Lord, that as many burdens as we came into this gathering this morning, as we leave, they will all be lifted up to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. May I appreciate our church leadership headed by our Father in the Lord, Venerable Professor Sam Ike and his team for the opportunity given to me to minister to us today. And may I also welcome all of us who are here today, as well as those who are listening in. I pray that the Lord will reach each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Our topic for consideration is ordinary people betting revival. And our main text is Acts of Apostle chapter 11, verse 19 to verse 31. We start by explaining the word ordinary as implied in the topic. Anglican Church in Nigeria is a very big church with millions of followers. If the leader of Anglican Church in Nigeria, the primate, bets a revival, it would be wrong for anybody to say 
that an ordinary person has better a revival. Why? Because of his position and circle of uh, followership. The same can also be said if Paadeboye, who heads the redeemed church worldwide, again with millions of fellowship and branches, if he bests a revival, it will also be very wrong to say that an ordinary man bests a revival. But what a fifth brother Val bets a revival? Your guess is as good as mine. He's an ordinary man. No position, no large followership. And so that is just the definition of ordinary in the context that we are looking at it today. Praise the Lord. So let's go to our text and read it. And from there we begin to pick the things the Lord laid in my heart to share with us. Again, the, the, chapter, the passage is Acts of Apostles, chapter 11, and we are reading from, we will take it from 19 to 26. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Praise the Lord for his word. Now, We'll be looking at the success factors. What are the things that made this revival to be successful? Why are we looking at it? So that we, as ordinary people, in the various places that the Lord places us, will be able to apply those success factors. And the Lord is the same. If you granted them success based on this, he will also grant you and I successes in the mighty name of Jesus. The first thing we can glean from here, from verse 19, is that there was conviction. Conviction is vital in betting of revival. These people, we are in Jerusalem. 
Jesus had just died, resurrected, and ascended. And the, the church was new. The church has just been bettered. And in the course of spreading the gospel, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was killed. If these people were not convinced in what they believed, they would have dispersed for good. They would have dispersed and forgotten everything concerning Jesus and what he came to do. But because they were convinced, just like we shared in our Bible study a few weeks ago, I was thoroughly blessed, thanks Sister Noye, for a good job she did. Because of the convic conviction that these followers of Christ had, not even death could deter them. I was having a chat with my children a few weeks ago, and we were talking about a, a finance term called buy-in. I told them as I go to companies and even a government establishment, that many of the workers do not have a buy-in, into a total buy-in into where they are working. They do not believe in the vision of the place. They don't believe in the mission. They don't believe in the ownership. Or they believe in the management. And some of them don't even believe in the product and services they are offering. So how can you do well? Every little thing, they will check out. Every little thing, they will look for a way of running the place. Because they do not believe in the future of that place. But when there is a total buy-in, you will want to sink or swim with that establishment. And that is also part of our problem in this nation. There is a discussion for another day. Many of us don't buy into the project Nigeria. Praise the Lord. So but these disciples, they believed in Jesus. They had a total buy-in in Jesus. Everything concerning him, concerning what he preached, they believed it and they were willing to die for it. Whenever I talk of this word conviction, the first person that comes to my mind is Apostle Paul. He bought into Jesus so much. When you read some of the statements that he made, the everlasting statements, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So neither death nor life means anything different to Paul as long as following Jesus is concerned. He said, I've been crucified with him. It's no longer I that live, but Jesus that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That was Apostle Paul. He was thoroughly convinced in the person and the ministry of Jesus. And so it's very vital if any of us wants to be revived and to, or, and to be an instrument of revival, there must be thorough conviction, total buy-in into the person and the teaching and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Still in that verse 19, another success factor I want us to take from there 
is that location is not a barrier for revival. They were following Jesus in Jerusalem. Persecution came. They left Jerusalem for Cyprus, for Cyrene, and other places, and Antioch. They were not hindered because they were dislocated. I've met some people who say they are men of God. You pose them out of the city, they will resign and leave that ministry. If you take them from Enugu to Akebugu or any of those local areas or remote areas, they will just leave you and say the Lord called them to be in Enugu. Lord in Enugu is the Lord, same God in Sokoto, in Maiduguri. If the Lord is calling you to be there, He who saw you through here in Enugu can see you through in any other parts of the world. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and even the people that dwell therein. Unfortunately, People of the Islamic religion seem to understand this fact more than we do. I will share an experience. When I was still in the bank, I had a friend then in CBN, a staff of CBN. He was posted to Macron and I was telling him, why don't you go and uh, change this, your posting? Macron is not a, a good play. And he said, it is Allah that is sending him. Wherever Allah sends him, he will go. These are people we say they are serving God or gods that are no gods, yet they hold on so tenaciously to these worthless idols. The we who serve the living God lack faith and is very unfortunate. Location is not a barrier. If you're a child of God anywhere, we heard what our, one of our daddies in the Lord, Ephraim Ikako, said. He started in a humble way, going to villages, very remote area, where other ministers were running away from. But today, he's a celebrated man of God. May the Lord grant us understanding in this regard, in Jesus' name. The next thing we... We can take from this experience is uh, from verse 20. And um, I titled it, There Shouldn't Be Any Segregation. Segregation. You look at what happened. Because they have not understood the ministry of grace, this is the early part of uh, uh, Christianity. The ministry of grace that was championed by Apostle Paul was not yet fully understood by them. And so the Jews went and they were interested only in the Jews. The others, when the people from Cyprus and Cyrene, they were also interested only in their people. But a lesson for us is to know that God of the Fulanese is the God of the Galas, is the God of the Hebrews. Some people, if you tell them, go and minister to the Fulanese, they will tell you they are diehard people. They cannot accept the word of God. Who told you? This scripture makes it clear that if an evil man can accept Christ, a Fulani man can also accept Christ. An Alsa man can accept Christ. Do not segregate. 
And as we do this, the Lord will make our work fruitful in the mighty name of Jesus. And yet we take another point from that verse 20. And that is that Jesus is at the center of every revival message. When you go for a revival, you don't go there to preach yourself. You go there to preach Christ. If there's anything good in you, it is because of Christ that is in you. So you go, you preach Christ. You don't go to preach your denomination that this thing is happening because I'm an Anglican. No, it could have happened because you are a, 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 a Roman Catholic. It could have happened to somebody in Roman Catholic or Redeemed Church or any other church. There is no name of church in heaven. You don't go there to preach your great man of God. The God of this, the God of that. That is why this revival is taking place. No. The revival is taking place because of Jesus. We are here to preach Jesus. The center and the centrality of every revival message is Jesus and him alone. Remove it, you miss the mark. Praise the Lord. And yet we take another one. And this is synergy between church leadership and church followership. When the leaders of the church in Jerusalem heard of what was happening in Antioch, they were quick to send one of the church leaders, Barnabas, to go and assist. And if you follow where we have read, when Barnabas came, the encouragement and prayer and the support he gave them, many more people were added. The ordinary people, they are not separated from the church leadership. We are one body. And I like what is happening in this church. There are some of us who have their own ministries. As long as the church is convinced that you are doing the right thing, they support you. And I also want to commend some of them. I mean, I will not mention them. The church support them, but they still come back to their origin. Some of them are in prayer unit group, um, music ministry unit, and other units. They come back and they support the church. This idea of you dream two times and three, or three times and it comes through and you run away and you go and form Dreamers Mountain of Fire Ministry Incorporated. I do not subscribe to it. I don't know why they always ask fire there. Praise the Lord. It is not good. If you have a gift, let that gift serve the church. The gift that the Lord gives us, if you study the book of Corinthians, is not for our selfish use or purpose. It is to serve the church. If you can pray and get results, don't go and form prayer church. Let that your prayer benefit the body of Christ. If you have the gift of prophecy, let it benefit the church. If you can preach or teach, 
The church needs you. That is why the Lord gives those gifts to the body of Christ and not for self selfish purposes. Praise the Lord. Verse 26. Teaching ministry is vital for sustenance of revival. Teaching ministry is vital for sustenance of revival. If I catch the fire of revival, for instance, the moment I'm out of stage, if I do not hand it over to other people, that revival does what? Dies. The success of every establishment is measured to a large extent by the number of successors that they are able to groom. Not just in the numbers of figures you are bringing as a CEO. But how many people have you been able to groom that in your absence the Lord can call any of us in it. He can send us another assignment. How many people have you been able to groom to take over from you when you are no longer there. So teaching ministry is very vital if revival is to be sustained. And the revival we are looking at is not just for a moment. We have heard of revivals that lasted for decades. It is our prayer that as we catch the fire of revival, we will be able to hand it over to the next generation, to the next generation until Jesus comes. Praise the Lord. And finally, from this uh, very passage, Christian character is key for betting of revival. Taken from verse 26 also. The Bible records here that they were first called uh, Christians in where? Antioch. Why? Because they were living like Christ. No wonder they recorded such a huge success. It was not just what they were saying, but their character was imparting on the people of Antioch. And so if you are going to carry this revival to your workplace, what is your character like? If you are the head of department, they give you money, maybe for toiletries, for papers, for big, you pocket it. And every Wednesday you call them, you must come for a prayer meeting. They may come, just nafana and soga here. But you know what? That your prayer meeting is going nowhere. You are not affecting any of them spiritually. Because you are not living what you are preaching. The same thing at home. You are a man here. You go drink yourself to a stupor, come back and bounce on your wife and scatter your children and you call them for morning devotion and all that. You will not achieve anything good because you are not living out that thing that you are teaching them. Praise the Lord. These two examples suffices, but it touches every sphere of our life. You collect bribe from your students 
to give them grace and all that. And tomorrow you come out and stand and say you're preaching Christ. Praise the Lord. Because you are what, whatever you are teaching them is going nowhere because you are not living it out. That's the much you can take. We will take another example from the Old Testament and maybe from outside the Bible and we are done for the day. We'll be quickly reviewing the book of Esther. I like what happened there. Book of Esther. Ahasuerus was a king and Vashti was a queen. Esther was an orphan. I was brought into Sushan as slave with his uncle Mordecai. Mordecai became a palace guard and in the process saved the life of Ahasuerus, but was not rewarded. In God's own time, he makes all things beautiful. He was later greatly rewarded. Vashti disobeyed the king and was destroyed as the queen. Esther, guided by his uncle Mordecai, and by divine election, became the queen. The lives of Mordecai and the entire Jewish race were threatened for refusing to bow to Haman. Esther catches the vision. You mustn't be the person that uh, starts revival for you to key in. If you catch the vision, join. Esther catches the vision, teams up with Mordecai in prayer. Mordecai was remembered eventually by the king and elevated to the second in command in the entire Sushan. Sushan was a kingdom that spread all the way from India down to Ethiopia with about 127 provinces. The table turned against Haman and he was hanged. Praise the Lord. And what happened? The free worship of God in Sushan was once again allowed. The fate of the Jews in Sushan was reignited. There was a revival in the worship of God. Again, a few success factors that we need to take from there if we want to be agents of revival. Some of them are already in the ones we saw in the book of Acts of Apostles. Again, you see that location was not a barrier. Mordecai was serving his God in the land of Jews. And when he went to the land of Sushan, he continued to serve him. Location should never be a barrier. Some will say, if only I was a teacher, I would have a greater opportunity of sharing the word. Others will say, oh, if, I'm, if only I was a doctor, all my patients, the one that God has placed you, what are you doing there? There is no job or profession where you don't come across so many people in the course of discharging your duty. Make effective use of it. God knows why he placed you there. Praise the Lord. Again, part of what made me to use this, um, the book of Exodus as a reference is that gender is not a hindrance. Esther was a woman. Some of us will say, oh, because I'm a woman, I won't be able. No, it's not true. Throughout the scripture, we see a lot of women, and even in contemporary times, we see a lot of women championing revival. Gender is not a barrier. Gender should never be a limitation. 
The same God that was with Esther is the same God that we are serving. And if he saw Esther through, he will surely see you through in Jesus' name. Again, we see that status was not a barrier. Esther, like we shared, was an orphan, lost both parents, and was raised up as an orphan by the uncle Mordecai. Two of them came into Sushan as slaves, yet they were willing to carry God's flag, even as slaves. And even when Esther became queen, a highly exalted position, he was still willing to serve this God and to work for the purpose of God. So status should not be a barrier. Whether you are in the government house or a wheelbarrow pusher or you stay at a wall or a woman, you can still reach souls there. There are people that gather here, fellow messians and electricians. You can use that platform to minister to them if you are a child of God. You are a KK driver. How many passengers do you carry in a day, in a week, in a month? You can use that keke as your platform to win souls and to touch lives for Christ. Status should never be a barrier, a limitation in the work of revival. Praise the Lord. Again, we see Conviction coming. Mordecai refused to bow to Haman because he was convinced. With all the threats, and you know the threats were real, because according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, once the king says anything and signs it with his signet, it's as good as done. But because he was convinced, that the Yahweh God of Israel, whom he serves, is able to deliver, to save to the uttermost. He wasn't afraid. And he held on to this God. Did he see him true? Did he see him true? Praise the Lord. Again, we see a synergy here between Mordecai and Esther. It was Mordecai that had the understanding, that caught the vision. And he passed it on to Esther. And Esther followed suit. There was a synergy between two of them. Mordecai being just a god has limitation. Esther is close to the king, but he doesn't have the understanding. Again, we talk of spiritual gifts. Whatever spiritual gift that the Lord has endowed you with, it is for the purpose of the kingdom work. Don't use it just for yourself. Don't be a lone ranger. Praise the Lord. And finally, from the book of Esther, we saw that prayer was the game changer. Prayer was what? When it seems like the whole road was blocked. Esther, having caught the vision, said to Mordecai, Go gather the Jews and pray. I will also pray with the Medians who serve me here. 
And he made that outstanding statement. She said, if I perish, I do what? I perish. She has called the vision. So, as we progress in revival, the commission of revival, prayer must not be left behind at any junction. Because it's a game changer. When it looks like everything else has failed, take it to God in prayer. Why? Because revival is not a personal project. It's not a church project. It's not a leadership. It is God's project. Every revival is first and foremost dropped in the heart of the revivalist by God. And that is for the purpose and intent that people will be drawn to hear God. So it is this God's project. If you are a messing, somebody hires you to do a house, a building for him. And then you don't go to him to give you money or give you cement or block. You said, Augustus, you have hired me. Let me now take on the project. Will you be able to succeed? There is somebody that recruited you as a messenger. Who has the vision of doing that house? Who has the money to do that house? Who have put every plan in place on how to do that house? You as a messenger. At every point, we run back to the organ for the ideas. How does this corner go? What length or height do you want it to reach? We need money for cement, for water, for sand. But why some revivals fail or fail to proceed is because some people take it as personal project. It is God's project. He's just using you as an agent to further his work. And that's why in that Matthew 9.27, Jesus said to them, the harvest indeed is what? Right. Who has the harvest? It's Christ himself. And he said, pray to the God of the harvest that he will send what? Laborers into the vineyard. It is God's project and not your own. Praise the Lord. We'll quickly take one outside the Bible. I remember um, our brother had already spoken concerning that uh, revival. Our brother, former sister Simon, when he ministered to us. And that was a revival that uh, Demon Shakaria brought about in full gospel ministry. As a matter of fact, as we I gave my life to Christ, when I came back from a sojourn in the wilderness. I gave my life to Christ as a student in UNN. When I went to Uniport, I joined Ekanka. And I was there until the Lord opened my eye. They said, if you reveal the secret of your initiation to a non-initiate, you will die. If you are here and you are thinking that they are not secret society, they are. You are deceiving yourself. I am telling you from personal experience, not hearsay. It is. If you reveal your initiation, the secret of your initiation, to a non-initiate, you will die. The Lord opened my eyes. Yeah. When I gave my life to Christ in UNNO, it was a joyful thing. Why are these people telling you if you reveal 
the secret of your initiation, you die. They said, there is more to it than what they are telling me. I was in the house of the school registrar who was our member then. I was saying, Brother, won't you stay and eat? I said, Mommy, I'm not eating. No. I left. Nobody ministered to me. I went to full gospel ministry. Uh, the, but I was looking for the nearest and the soonest one. It was a, a Thursday meeting in Uniport. I went there and gave my life. And you know what? The text that was used that day from Colossians say that in Christ Jesus, every wisdom is hidden in him. And one of the things they use in confusing you is that, oh, this is a religion of light and sound, wisdom and all those. But when I went there, as the minister opened the book of Colossians, and we saw it, that wisdom, all of them in its fullness, is in Christ Jesus. And some of them, they deceive you and tell you, if you come out, you die. If you are here or you are listening to me, you will not die. It is the greatest lie. One of the lies of the enemy. A friend of mine in Onitsha said one chief brought the children. He brings them, drop them and go. And drives away, sorry. And one day he approached the man and said, why do you always drop these children? You never bother to join us. And the man said, please, see what you can do with these children. As for me, I have gone too far. They make you believe that nothing can save you. But he that is in you as a child of God is greater than he that is in the world. The powers of the old body is the among the free mercy. All of them put together cannot bring down a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-carrying child of God. All of them put together with Satan spearheading them cannot bring you down. Praise the Lord. And so, back to our concluding uh, part, Demos, he started what the Lord laid in his heart. He saw that when they gather just like today, most of the people that gather for church services are women and children. And he started asking, where are the men? They are there in the bars, restaurants, and all those things, drinking themselves to to super. And the Lord ministered to him and said, carry this message of the gospel to them. And that's what the Lord is telling us. Carry this message to all the Obawasas. Don't wait for them to come. They may never come. Carry the message to their domain. And he decided to obey God. Called a few people who believed in that uh, um, mission or dream that the Lord was giving him and they started off. But there's something I'm driving at. After one year of meeting, spending some money because he was a dairy farmer, a believer, after one year of meeting, not much was uh, achieved. In fact, the number decreased slightly. It was then that he decided to apply the game changer again. Hand over this God's project to him in prayer. He handed over the project that God gave him to back to God in prayer and the Holy Spirit take over. And today, to cut a very long story short, 
We have full gospel ministry in over 200 countries, if I'm not mistaken, and still counting. Millions have given their life to Christ. Incidentally, my wife also gave her life to Christ in another circumstance also, in full gospel, so many years ago. So millions have come to Christ through this ministry. But the turning point was where he handed over the ministry to God in prayer. Handed it over to the Holy Ghost. And so today we'll be praying for ourselves. Before I hand over my, the mic, we'll be praying. It is my desire that we'll all be revived and we'll all be agents of revival wherever the Lord places us. Just like we prayed earlier on. But sometimes there are hindrances. We are going to arise on our feet even as we commit whatever hindrances that may be limiting us from catching the fire or spreading the fire. Some of us have sensors, but there are no fire in our sensors. Some of us, when we started this race, you read the word of God, you study the word of God, and you don't feel like stopping. Because as you are reading it, you are catching Rema. You go from one chapter to the next, from one book to the next, and there is no stopping. What has happened to you and I? That we can't even read a passage of the Bible. And even when we read, there is no revelation. The Spirit of God is no longer active. We are carrying censor, but there is no fire in our censor. We pray when we have the fire. We can pray for hours. We can fast for days. And there is always a result. These days, they had to pummel us and cajole us to pray. And when we pray, there is no result. Because there is no fire in the prayer. We remember when you are willing to trek, to join the buses, to risk your father or your mother disowning you because you want to go and preach the gospel. Some of us use canoes to cross rivers, dangerous seas and waters to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But today, wait. Let's go and share his word at the, uh, the, the word of God at the just here. 80% of the church members will live consistently. What has happened? It is only God that can do it. Let us arise as we begin to pray. You know your areas. Ask God. To take over. We want our lives revived and to become agents and instruments of revival. Before when you tell a lie, you cannot sleep because you still have conscience. But today, you tell lie every day of your life, even when there is no need for telling lies. And it doesn't prick you. Remember when you look at a woman, a man lustfully, you will go and say, God, what has befallen me? But today, 
You jump from one bed onto another, from one hotel onto another, from one city onto another, and you are not disturbed. Your conscience is dead. You may still be in the church. And God is saying, repent. One thing that follows every revival is that there is usually a turning back to God. There's a repentance. And as people do this, the Lord will pour out his spirit. And we will begin to witness the latter rain. We prayed for it and we have continued to pray for it in the prayer unit. When revival occurs, like daddy told us some time ago, it is not only spiritual upliftment that occurs, even physical. We see it manifest in every area. Mordecai was an ordinary palace guard. But when revival came, he was elevated to the second person in the whole city of Sushan. Ask the Lord to revive you. Ask the Lord to restore the fire in your censer once again. Our God is more than able. If we ask of him, he said he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we for confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. Tell him this is where I have grown cold in my work with you. Father, touch me in this area. Touch me in the other area. Join me as we take this song and as our concluding song today. Touch me once again. Oh Lord. Touch me once. Touch me one more time. 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 is overwhelmed that you lead us to the rock that is higher than us oh lord 
Father, touch us one more time, O oh Lord. We have grown cold in the area of evangelism. We have grown cold in prayers. We have grown cold in in studying your word. We have gone called in obedience to your word, O oh Lord. Father, today we come back in repentance. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will touch us one more time, O oh King of glory. That our senses will carry fire that burn in its fullness, O oh Lord. And as you revive us, O oh Lord, we pray that everywhere you send us, we will willingly, we will obediently go and Father, Lord, we will continue in this work of revival till your son comes again. Thank you, Abba Father, for this great opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and worshipped. Showers we play.